The following episode is sponsored by Centech. Carbon dioxide is an integral parameter for brain and lung protection in neonatal patients. CO2 provides an indication of safe levels of cerebral blood flow as well as the efficacy of ventilatory support for delicate lungs. Centech transcutaneous technology provides continuous, accurate, non-invasive monitoring of carbon dioxide, enabling visibility into patient ventilation status and helping to reduce the frequency of blood draws. Centech care with confidence. Learn, lead, and level up at NAN's 38th Annual Conference. Join us live in the heart of Las Vegas from September 14th through the 17th, 2022 for the most engaging and valuable neonatal nursing event of the year. Earn over 40 CE hours from comprehensive educational sessions, network in person with fellow nurses and APRNs, and engage in exciting attendee activities. By the end of the conference, you'll feel refreshed and inspired to make innovative changes that nurture you and transform your career and the care you provide. Not ready to travel yet? No worries. NAN's 38th Annual Conference offers virtual options so you can stream along from anywhere in the world. Visit nan.org conference to learn more and register today. Hello and welcome to NANcast. I'm Jill, your host. In light of the recent events surrounding a medication error, nurses everywhere are taking a step back and reviewing their own medication administration practices. NICU patients are uniquely vulnerable to medication errors and require additional safeguards, making NICU nurses even more anxious about medication safety. As nurses, we can't let this situation overwhelm us with fear. Fear helps no one, and it can lead to even more errors, especially in stressful situations which are quite often in the NICU. Fear stifles change. We have to create a culture where we stand up to unsafe standards and unsafe conditions that can lead to medication errors. It is up to us to stay vigilant, educate ourselves on the policies, and speak up to create change. As the professional voice of neonatal nurses, NAN recommends a comprehensive approach to medication safety in the NICU that integrates available technology, focused healthcare provider medication safety education, standardized medication processes, and a robust medication error reporting and prevention efforts. To help us calm our fears and anxiety around medication administration, I'm joined with the authors of NAN's Medication Safety Position Statement. It is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Deb Armbruster, a neonatal nurse practitioner at Nationwide Children's Hospital, Dr. Robin Keppel, a neonatal clinical nurse specialist and pediatric nurse practitioner at University of California Irvine Medical Center, and Erica Van Ewegen, clinical staff nurse at UNC Medical Center and director at large on the board of NAN. Let's get right into it. As we all know, the NICU is a very special place. Things run a lot differently than in the adult world. However, there are some of the same challenges. And medication safety and medication administration is a challenge um, amongst all nurses, and especially now with the new turn of events um, that have been happening. Um, And babies have such different um, medication dosages, We have um, special calculations that we have to do, everything being weight-based. There are some safeguards in place, but, you know, we could do more. So I know Nan created the position statement on medication safety. 
So, Robin, can you give us um, some more insight into how this position statement was developed and what were your focuses uh, for the position statement? Hi, yes. Um, I, in 2011, there was a position statement already in existence it's on the NAN website. And in 2013, I was contacted to revise that statement. So uh, Deb and I and a group of other um, nurses, uh, NAN members, came together and revised it. But again, another revision due in 2021. So that's what's reflective today is the latest updated published research that sort of supports medication safety in the NICU. And, and it's very unique and challenging system in the NICU where our babies do are nonverbal, so they can't participate in safety. Um, we also have weight bait do dosing, and often we're using adult strength medications. And I think um, pharmacists are so in integral in the safety of uh, medications in the NICU, but not all of us have all the same resources in all our NICUs. So we really wanted to highlight what we thought would be uh, best practice for medication safety in the NICU and serve as a resource for NICU RNs across the country to use this document to help them advocate for safe um, medication um, in the NICU. When we're talking about medication safety in the NICU, we need to remind nurses that um, there's a lot of safety measures that they can use. They can use their peers. They can use um, some of the technology that's out there if it's available to them. Follow the system prompts. When you're giving a medication, follow your five rights of giving a medication. Even though the patient is nonverbal, there should be some kind of medication or a patient identification marker to be able to proceed with the um, med medication administration. and. The other thing that I really want to highlight is if nurses say that, you know, if something is not correct, they need to speak up. They need to ask their peer. They need to ask their provider. So to ensure that the medication administration is safe for the baby. Our babies are very fragile, though small. Medications based on weight, medications are based on gestational age, and there's a number of reasons why we need to be very careful and follow a process when we give administration of medications in the NICU. I love that with powering nurses to speak up. Um, and, you know, if, if something doesn't seem right and you question it, like, question it. And, you know, if, if it's not right, it might not be right. And you have so many resources, not just the pharmacist, but you have your peers, like you said, or consult the, th the medical team and say, you know, I'm not really sure about this medication. Um, there are the neo the neofacts. There's a lot of different resources that you can do, um, you know, in order to be ensuring that you are giving something safe to your patient. Hi, this is Erica. I was just going to add that, um, as Robin mentioned, the statement has been around for a while. And as a member of the board, one of my uh, positions on the board is to review these statements that are put out and to decide if they're still relevant, if they need it to be updated, or if it's time to just take them off the table. And when I came across the med safety in the NICU statement um, that was published between 2013 and 2014, I knew that it was still extremely important 
and that in those few years, so much had likely changed with technology and new things that were out in the NICU world that we could bring to the statement. So I was very happy and excited that uh, we had the opportunity to work on this and publish a new updated statement. Erica, you mentioned um, about technology and technology, especially in neonatology, is growing um, at an alarming rate where there's always new things um, being developed. And we use technology so much and we rely on it so much. um, And we do know that it can fail us sometimes. Um, And also not every NICU has the most up-to-date technology as well. So how did you incorporate technology into um, the position statement? So we um, looked at the literature to to really see how much, um, for example, barcode medication administration is available across the nation. And it's the majority of hospitals do have that. However, as we all know, um, it may not be specific to the NICU. So, and, and remember to barcoding, it's not going to catch all the errors. It mostly catches, you know, the right patient, the right drug, but it's not going to catch the right dose necessarily. That maybe got ordered by a prescriber inadvertently, maybe using the wrong weight for the baby or using the wrong, you know, patient even um, from the electronic charting. So, you know, All the five rights, there's really more than five rights. There's also, you know, right reason. So technology is a tool, but it's not the only tool. But it's an important tool. So when you have not only barcode medication administration, but you also have our syringe pumps and our our dose air libraries, right? How tight are those libraries in terms of um, helping you program it correctly? catching misprogramming errors, those decimal point errors that can happen when you're programming. This is where those pumps can really be integrated into your um, medication administration process to help you do the right thing and make it hard to do the wrong thing. So that's how technology um, should work for us. But we all know that things aren't perfect and sometimes you bypass because it's not working well for you. And that's when you really start to get yourself into a different situation when you're bypassing the safety uh, checks that are available to you. And maybe that is where nurses really need to advocate for systems that work better for you in the NICU. And integrated um, medication orders that go um, integrated into the pumps. Like there's a lot of technology coming on very soon, um, integrating into your electronic charting. So we try to um, bring that forward and really highlight how smart pump technology can help you, but we also also know sometimes it's a challenge when it doesn't work properly. And that's where the mistakes, I think, occur because pe- there's workarounds for everything. You know, ask a bedside nurse and they'll tell you how they can work around whatever um, safeguard, so to speak, is up. But those are there uh, for a reason. And, you know, and we all know with the case that was just um, out in the media now, there were safeguards that um, failed. Um, or could have been bypassed, you know, so that's why it's important. And I, I think that this is a great time for everybody to to step back and, and look at their practice. What what are they doing and what can they do um, to safeguard not only the baby, but themselves? And I think this is a great time to reevaluate your practices um, as a nurse. Instead of over overriding something or doing a workaround, what can we do to make this better? What can we do to make this process 
smoother and um, safe uh, for for the patients. And and hopefully at this time, these issues are now going to come up and nurses are going to feel comfortable uh, speaking up and saying, hey, you know, this this isn't working. Um, and like you said, it's it's the integration of what's the right reason. I think that would be wonderful if we could somehow um, get that ability to be able to put that into our technology um, as well. I think in adding to the technology, as both of you mentioned, that technology is coming out at an alarming rate. It changes almost daily. There's different practice changes. There's different um, procedures you have to follow in order to know. And I think it's super important that there's education in place to support the technology. Because you can have the technology available to you, but if you've not been educated appropriately, you're not going to know how that technology really will assist you. And it's important that, you know, along with the education, that we create a culture that allows people to question what's happening, allow somebody to look at somebody and say, wait a minute, can you help me? Because this does not seem to be right and I need assistance. People need to be able to say, we need to work on our system because I am stumbling and someone needs to reevaluate what is happening. And also making sure that people are comfortable speaking up is just super important when it comes to medication administration and reducing errors in the NICU. And Deb, exactly. Um, you know how Nan had a staff nurse, bedside nurse like Erica involved in the position statement because nurses should, bedside nurses should be involved in all processes and updates, including technology, um, because they're the ones that are using it every day. So instead of having administration and, med and, and leadership working on these policies, it should be the bedside nurse. It should be the people that are touching and doing this every day. And I think that's important that Nan realizes that and makes sure that nurses are involved um, in, in creating these position statements. And also, you mentioned a, a culture of safety and a culture of being, um, you know, you, you feel that it's non-punitive if you speak up. Because I know a lot of units, um, you know, you, you don't, you, you fear being written up and, and, and having that uh, incident report written on you. But it's not about you. It's, it's about the process. And how can we fix this process? Um, and I, I think that that, you know, they call it a just culture. But I, I think that that's very important that nurses do feel empowered to speak up, um, because that's the only way that we're going to be able to bring upon change in the processes that we're doing um, if, if we don't if we don't speak up and say that they're they're failing us. We did add that um, significantly in the medication safety statement how important a, a non-punitive environment is and a culture of safety so we understand that when events do occur that those are opportunities to improve the system and if we don't feel comfortable sharing our event or even a near miss, th then we really miss an opportunity to make the, the system safer. So I think as any staff nurse out there listening, if you can think of it as a systems approach to, to improve the care of babies, um, I think that helps us really have a larger lens across some of these safety systems. 
So were you able to, in developing the position statement, were you able to determine ways that we can promote a culture of safety um, or strategies that would create a, a culture of safety? Um, you know, so maybe listeners can try to bring that or, or change that culture uh, in their unit if it is a punitive culture. Yeah, I think Deb already mentioned one of the first steps is education. Uh, we really need to understand what's the most common medication error in our units why is that? And, and the staff need to be part of analyzing these errors, um, looking at the barriers to implementing or using the safety systems. Um, we, you know, hopefully NICUs are, are, are looking at their policies and procedures by using the staff nurses to do that. You really start to create um, a culture in which we can, you know, safely talk about medication administration and standardize wherever we can. Standardized processes generally promote a more or more safe process. And I want to point out the fact that when we talk about medication safety, we're talking about the entire system. We're not talking about nurses administering medications only. It's about the pharmacist preparing, diluting, making the right dose. It's about the provider writing the correct dose. It's about getting the medication to the patient in a timely manner. There's a number of things that impact uh, medication safety. Um, so the RN needs to understand that it's a system. It's, we're, we're not looking at just RNs. We're looking at a system so that the RN can perform to their optimal level. I would like to add to, um, I know my, I, I work in a larger facility and my unit has its own med safety committee and we also have a hospital-wide med safety committee. But if your unit doesn't have one, then as the nurse, you can be empowered to create one, you know, make your own committee, get a pharmacist on board, a nurse practitioner, your uh, attending medical director, and some staff nurses that can discuss medication errors that happen or potential errors that do happen to prevent them in the future. Um, our committee meets monthly and they are a great asset to our unit and to um, come up with ways to fix some of the problems that are occurring. I love that idea. And, and to meet monthly, you're really on top of things and you have maybe nurses would feel more comfortable reporting issues that they're having surrounding medication administration because there's a core group of nurses working on it. And it's a safe place that they can discuss. Um, instead of maybe going to their manager or, their, or educator, they can come to the group of nurses. So that's excellent. You know, the unit I work in also has medication safety committee and we meet quarterly and we discuss um, CS stars not by pointing fingers but by saying hey how can we make this better how can we look at our system and avoid something like this from happening again and I feel it's very non-punitive which makes it a very good area a very good platform for people to speak up and say I stumbled in this particular area and you need to find a new process that makes this more safe. Yeah, I think that's great, Deb and Erica both. I, I think, again, in large units like ours as well, we have those committees. Um, but I think you can start small too. And, and when as staff report near misses even that, oh, I grabbed, 
you know, normal saline instead of D10. And, and that's because they were stored together and they look exactly alike. Like you should celebrate those people with good catches. Like, thank you for reporting. This is amazing. And we want to celebrate the fact that you did that and, you know, do some sort of good catch plan. So then people feel, start to build that culture of safety where you feel, oh, people are interested in what's happening in the NICU. And they did see this as a valuable piece of information. And we did see that they separated these things um, so we don't end up grabbing the wrong thing. Remember, so much of our work is really should consider how human we are. It's easy to grab the wrong thing when things look similar. Um, the same with the recent event in the news with the nurse you know, she had to, her Pixis machine wasn't working. And so, you know, when technology fails um, and you're having to rely on your brain that maybe at three o'clock in the morning is needs more <laughs> caffeine than it had, than it's had, and you're really pressed for time and your cognitive tasks are high, you can make these mistakes. So celebrating the near misses helped to make um, that culture start to build. And that also helps with people, uh, nurses having ownership of, of what they're doing. And they feel, you know, we've made these changes and this is what, these are the outcomes that we're seeing. And I, I think that inspires people, um, you know, to work, to work more safely and to work together and, and hopefully have that, a better culture of safety, a stronger culture of safety. And the education piece, I, 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 I think that really is so important there's so many changes. We talk about the, the you know, growing rate of neonatology, but medications, there's new medications coming out that we're trialing all the time. And if, you know, we just send out a blast email like, hey, we're starting this new medication or we're trialing this new medication to make sure everybody is aware because sometimes not the whole staff knows. And then, and then it leads to questioning and, um, and that just causes more stress. And we all know what stress can do um, and that can start causing mistakes. And so I think that that's um, a very big, important highlight. I know where I work, um, the color of a medication, uh, uh, they pull out a med and they pre-dispense it in syringes and it used to be blue and then now it was white and it caused a, a whole ruckus and all we needed was just a simple email, you know, that this is that this is changing. So, um, you know, education is, is really important. I mean, think about all the medications that we use just to treat a PDA, you know, and, and the different variances that we need to focus on when we're, when we're administering that medication labs and everything. So it's important that we are educated on that um, as nurses. So we also do in our monthly staff meetings, we call it take 10 for safety. And so the last 10 minutes of our staff meeting are dedicated to errors that were reported as near misses or errors that we felt like, you know, needed staff education. And so that's a great um, platform to take a few minutes from your staff meeting to discuss some of those things. Another important component of the system is, is pharmacy. Not all NICUs have a dedicated pharmacist, but if that is an option, that is something that I just really cannot express how helpful a pharmacist can be throughout the entire process. Um, they may not be the one mixing it, but they're, one, they're the one checking to make sure that it's correct. And I, as a provider, am super appreciative when they call and say, hey, you need to check your order because this is not really what we wanted 
to order. And so that kind of like stops it from even getting to the bedside through the pharmacist before the nurse has to say, hey, wait a minute, what did we order here? Um, as a provider, I'm super appreciative of everybody down the line that is going to look and question what I'm doing because in the end, it's the baby exactly. that matters and their future is dependent on our care. So it is super important that we create this non-biased non culture and be safe moving forward. Such a good point, Deb. And and it always brings me back to how the NICU patient deserves redundancy in our safety checks. It's not going to just be one part, right? Because we need redundant systems. You have the pharmacy is checking. You have um, your pumps that are checking. You have each other to check. These are all redundant systems because the NICU patient's very vulnerable and we know that they have... Um, more errors than any other uh, any other patient in the hospital. They experience more medication errors and they experience more harm from those medication errors. And the younger they are, the more um, errors they actually experience. So we really have a duty to um, protect them and ultimately protect us as well with these redundant systems. So I can't speak um, enough about why uh, multiple systems of safety help keep um, the patient safe in the NICU. Yeah, because ultimately the nurse is the last check um, of, that, of that medication before it hits the baby. I think when we're talking about medication safety, we have to look at the whole system of the medication process, and we have to consider how can we reduce risk factors, such as how can we reduce risks of an emergency, giving a medication in an emergent manner with bypassing some of those strategies? It's very important that when we have a system in place that we follow the system in every aspect. Um, nurses could be stressed, they could be distracted. Um, as we've mentioned before, there's a lot of workarounds. Um, and we're human, so we need to really stop, think, and then act before we um, move forward to reduce the risks that potentially could happen with medication in the medication administration process. Um, Jill, I think also um, we have a section on the fact that there's not one single intervention. The literature supports a multi-pronged approach um, to improving uh, medication safety. So I think especially um, people who don't have a lot of resources, that there's ways that they can get going on making things a little bit better. Like Deb just said, you know, you can um, standardize when possible. Like there's ways to standardize um, emergency uh, medication administration. And if you write it down and we all practice that, you know, you standardize. So checklists, um, uh, technology alone, if you over rely on technology, you, you're really um, reducing your ability to provide safety. So it, it's not one intervention. And I think that that's an important take home as well. I remember um, 
when I first started, um, we did a lot of uh, medication calculations when we had infusions running um, to check. And I think we've started to shy away from that because everything um, is computerized and everything is um, a guardrail on a smart pump. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we've sort of stopped doing that I, because we're relying on technology, like you said. So, um, you know, it's, that would be something that would be good to bring back into practice um, to check that those infusions are correct. Yeah, we, um, we refuse to drop that because you, you might be on transport and exactly, that, you know, it's a lost art. And I, I think sometimes the nurses that don't do that or haven't done that, it's like, all right, there's your education, Deb. Like, that's what we have to, you know, make sure that we're educating people because God forbid the computers um, are, what do you call go that? Go down. Go down or they do a, um, an upgrade yes. and you don't have Epic or whatever computer system for a whole shift. Yeah. I mean, um, over-reliance. I mean, that is really was at the core of the mistake too. You know, she, there was a, a breakdown and a bunch of problems with that Pixis issue that she had, but, you know, over-reliance on technology and, um, we really need a multi-pronged approach. So I, I think that's an important because people are putting all their eggs in the technology mm-hmm. basket. Exactly. I agree. And when technology fails you, such as if you have a new medication on your floor and the guardrail's not set, you have to override that guardrail. Mm-hmm. You've got maybe pharmacy and your provider standing behind you saying, no, go ahead, do it, do it. <laughs> and the nurse sitting there saying, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure because it's not here. And they need to make sure that they are educated on a medication prior to it becoming live so that they can be safe. Putting people in a position where they don't have the resources to be safe is as bad as a punitive environment when people don't report their mistakes. And hopefully that's where, as you mentioned, the standardization it will be able to help. I think, you know, if you ask some nurses, how long would you run this medication? If they didn't have a pump, I don't know if they would be, I think you would get different answers from, from different nurses. Yeah, I mean, just as simple as how do you give ampicillin <laughs> that we give all the time, you know, you could ask a different nurses, they're all mixing it different or whatever's happening. You can standardize that. You can integrate that standardization into your Epic Mar and it can give all those instructions right there. So there are ways, it, it just really takes leadership to kind of help standardize these processes. Um, but you know, ultimately it, it comes down to a safety culture. Like you have to see that this is valuable. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to point out one of the recommendations in the position statement by NAN is that medication safety should be identified for competency for all staff in the NICU and be included in the orientation of all new hires as well as ongoing annual education. Yeah, we do it annually here. You'd be surprised, you know how people have lost some skills, definitely. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, as horrible as the situation that occurred, that case, I think it really has brought to light medication safety. And I I think it's really making all of us reflect on our practice um, and the importance um, to our patients um, and to ourselves.
Yeah, Jill, I don't know if you remember this. You're kind of young, but in 2008, I think it was, there was a heparin error that occurred in, in yes. yeah, several several babies died and that unit wrote about their experience and they sort of recommitted to the safety of medication checking after that. So remember that all came through the Pixis being loaded with the wrong concentration of heparin. So when you're, you know, it was before I think barcoding was really everywhere, but either way, we they weren't really looking at their file, yeah. right? And so to hear that was heartbreaking to experience that I'm sure for those nurses but it, it wasn't that long ago and we had a few cases here in California as well related similarly so so these are cases where you know medication safety was really at the forefront and and unfortunately babies died because of those errors but there was change that came from that I remember like big changes that that occurred yeah People re-looked uh-huh. at their use of heparin. Yeah. And, the, and I know the labeling changed, the coloring changed. It was a lot more obvious. Right. Yeah. So I, right. you know, and that's, and hopefully that's what this is going to inspire people to uh, yeah. make change. And, and hopefully hospitals will take a close look at the systems that they have in place and, you know, and, and make change. Um, or, or, you know, empower nurses to speak up and maybe maybe look at their culture and, and how can we make this non-punitive? Yeah, and I think when you're on transport, like that nurse was uh, transporting a patient and we're out on transport, How what systems can we put in place yeah. when we're out and about in the ambulance? And, you know, as right? Deb mentioned, so. in an emergent situation, you know, in the delivery room, you're coding a baby and right. someone hands you a medication and you think it's epi, but, mm, you know, that needs to be standardized. And, you know, and that's when the most error can occur when, you know, high stress, lots of noise, lots of interruptions, um, you know, and it, or into a unit code. So, you know, whatever kind of safety measures that you can put in place. And we commented on that because Debbie, Deb wrote this section was that the superior learning that, that she found was really um, a, a, a team approach to learning. So, you know, simulation is a great example of how to standardize the administration of epinephrine. And that way we're all just doing it by motor memory, you know. And when we're talking about emergencies, I mean, we experience codes in the NICU, I wouldn't say on a regular basis, but often enough that we need to be educated in that area. And one thing that I find very helpful is in our mock codes, we have people shout out. I have epinephrine, this is the amount I have. And make sure that the people standing at the bedside agree with what she has pulled up because it's important that we don't give the wrong dose and that's a check for everybody there because there's not commonly a pharmacist there. No one's making your medication. You're pulling it up all by yourself. So we need to be able to, in this systems approach, say, hey, I have epinephrine and this is how much I have. Is this what you want? Yeah, almost like a, a, a timeout, a timeout, a mini timeout before you administer the medication. This is the patient's weight. This is the dose. This is what I'm giving or this is what we have. In our unit, we actually have um, a situation where we have a transport nurse that will come and help us in deliveries. But if we have a higher level or a code situation, they add another nurse called a code nurse. So there are two people that can be working simultaneously and working together in order to make the situation more safe. That's great. That's amazing. And that's dedication to, to patient safety right there. 
So Robin, what are some ways that nurses can support medication safety in their NICU? Such a great question. And, and I think ultimately we all have a responsibility to sort of step back and, and look at our own practice and, and say, okay, how, how can I be safer tomorrow? What can I do tomorrow to make my practice safer? And I, I think some basic things can be done immediately, which is to um, not bypass the safety checks that you do have in place. They might be limited where you work, but um, and they may not work great, but use those um, guardrails on your pumps. Um, make sure you know it's not just five rights. You know, it, it's also um, the right reason that that baby's on that medication. Um, understand and um, reflect on the fact that you are human. And so being vigilant for long periods of time is really difficult for our brain. And so when we're tired or when we're um, overloaded with tasks, we really need to ask for help and advocate for um, our coworkers to help us be safe. Double check us when we need that. And um, again, I think it's a commitment that we personally have to make. None of us wake up in the morning and say, oh, I know I can't wait to make a medication error today. Those things happen and 95% of the errors that do occur are to very um, con um, safety conscious healthcare providers. So understand that we work in a system and, and that system can help us or that system can really make it hard. So be vigilant and advocate for yourself, you know, reduce your distractions. When you're in the middle of medication administration, that's a, a really high risk activity. So reduce distractions, ask people to talk to you after you're done, try to explain to parents before you get started with medication administration that this is a, a high risk activity and you wanna be really focused to protect their baby. So these are all ways to sort of advocate for yourself and create that nursing practice that is really focused on safety. Remember the babies we take care of are at the highest risk for a medication error in the entire hospital. And the younger, the more at risk they are and the more likely to have harm. So we really um, wanna spend our time and um, our mindfulness on, on how to be safer in giving medications. Those are such helpful tips and something that you can do today and something that, um, and you know, Erica and Deb gave us some great insight and, ex and, and examples that they use in their unit. Medication safety committees on their unit, but they're all very easy um, to establish. So, um, you know, I hope everybody takes what they learned today to bring that to their unit and you know what are you going to do differently that's going to help your babies and yourself today so thank you all for joining me today and to talk about such an important uh, topic for our babies I would like to thank our sponsor Centech this podcast would not be possible without their support Make sure you never miss an episode of Nancast by subscribing now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks for your support and letting us into your ears. Have a great day.